Hello and welcome to Infinite Possibilities Abound. I'm your host, Debbie Wasner. The first topic or idea for today is what's the foundation of your life? What helps you get through every day? One thing that I follow as best as I can is the golden rule. Don't do unto others what you don't want done to you or treat others the way that you wish to be treated. Now, for most people, that idea and those ideas are fine. A similar idea is to love your neighbor as yourself. I attempt to treat everyone with kindness, regardless of what they do or act towards me. Sometimes people are in a bad mood or they've had a bad day, and so I don't take offense. I treat them with kindness and compassion and understanding. Do you like it or enjoy it when you're robbed or your house is broken into and things are stolen? People lie and gossip about you. They cheat you, assault you, belittle you, take advantage of you, make you feel less than. If you don't like that, then don't do that to other people. I attempt to use words and behaviors to create more compassion, connection, collaboration, grace, love, to be gentle merciful and forgiving and have some grace and sometimes that's hard but it's a choice that I make daily the golden rule has been around forever Confucius said it 500 years before it was mentioned in the Bible almost every culture has this idea this this concept the first leg of my stool is to treat others as I would like to be treated with respect kindness cooperation gentleness, understanding, and always try to do good. Know when to hold my tongue and when to speak. The second leg of my stool is gratitude, appreciation, and thankfulness. As I'm getting out of the bed in the morning, I always say, thank you for another day. As I leave my house, it's thank you for another day. Thank you for all that I have, all that I am, and for all that I shall be. And I have a gratitude list that's several pages long. But I'm grateful to be able to see, to hear, to taste, to eat, to drink for my kitty cat Eddie, for my house, my home, for my yard, for my neighbor, for my hands, my feet, for my legs, my arms, my eyes. Gratitude, appreciation, and thankfulness keep me grounded in being in a positive state of mind. And it keeps my mind off of things that may not be going well that particular day. And I understand that the bad stuff will pass. I will move through whatever little storm is going on. I read a quote a long time ago that said something about if you don't appreciate what you've got, if you're not grateful for what you have, you're probably not going to be very grateful for what you get. The third leg of my stool is forgiveness. For me, forgiveness is easy and always has been. I don't live in the past. It's done. It's over. I might look at it to see if there's a lesson that I am supposed to learn from the situation where I got hurt or irritated or treated unfairly. Did I miss something? Forgiveness can be hard for some people. I think it's because they misunderstand what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is for you. It's not about the other person or the incident. Forgiveness frees you from the situation and the circumstance. You're letting it go. You're not time-traveling to the past and reliving it again and again and again. It's about freeing you. It's about getting the 200-pound gorilla off your back. It's about being at ease with everyone you know. There is the universal law of forgiveness that says 
you're healthy emotionally to the extent to which you can honestly forgive and forget transgressions committed against you. Don't forgive, then why should anybody forgive you? Forgiveness cuts the chains that bind you to the person or the event. You obtain freedom from the conflict. Banish the bad thoughts from your mind. Look at the word for give. You give and receive the gift when you forgive. And the fourth leg of my stool is that I don't deny my emotions, be them good or be them bad. I feel them and then I let them go. I move through the emotions. I don't hold on to them. The universal law of emotion says that all of your decisions and related actions are based totally on emotion. Humanity does everything based on some kind of emotion, be it love, fear, hate, anger, desire, dream, or any other emotion. The stronger the emotion, the larger the magnitude or intensity that thought will have on your life. Emotions can be either destructive or constructive, and you have the power to make that choice. I move through the destructive emotions as quickly as possible. I feel them. I don't ignore them. I don't hold them in. I release the negative, destructive emotions. And the constructive emotions I use to my advantage. Without emotion behind a thought, it has little power to impact your life for better or worse. Emotion acts as a fuel to support your thoughts. It's of vital importance to keep your thoughts on what you want and off the things you don't want, which is really hard for humanity, for human beings, and for me at one point in my life. I don't think I control my emotions. I feel them and move through them, and you can do the same. So the four legs of my stool consist of a form of the golden rule, which is treat people like you would like to be treated with respect, kindness, compassion, love, and don't do those things that you abhor or don't like to others. I practice gratitude on a daily basis. I forgive people as needed, and I deal with my emotions as they come. I don't ignore them. I don't hide from them. Do you have a foundation for your life? Let's move from the foundations of our life to the foundations of our body. Do you pay very much attention to your feet? They're the foundation for your body. I try to go barefoot as much as possible. I don't wear shoes or slippers very much inside the house. When I go outside, I might put slippers on or put shoes on or boots. Shoes as protection do have a place and have a purpose. Research is showing that shoes are really aren't that good for your feet. In 2008, Adam Sternberg wrote in the New York Magazine, Shoes are bad. I just don't mean stiletto heels or cowboy boots or tottering espadrilles or any of the other fairly obvious foot torture devices into which we menacingly jam our feet. I mean all shoes. Shoes hurt your feet. They change how you walk. In fact, your feet, your poor, tender, abused, ignored, maligned, and misunderstood feet, are getting trounced in a war that's been raging for nearly a thousand years, the battle of shoes versus feet. The human foot has lots of small muscles and bones. They've evolved into the shape best suited for carrying your weight when you're barefoot. Walking barefoot stretches tendons and muscles in your feet. It improves your posture balance and the strength improves in your feet. This also can reduce pain and the chances of developing 
issues like plantar fasciitis, bunions, and hammer toe. And walking bare feet allows your feet to breathe. It prevents fungus from developing and improves overall blood circulation. As we age, our feet change just like the rest of our body. The elasticity of the tendons and, have, and you may have circulatory problems as well as developing flat feet. These can make problems of balancing even more difficult. As we age, our feet can develop arthritis, thickening nails, thickening skin, dried skin, hammer toes, bunions. Many people think that their feet stay the same, and same size and same shape. I'm one of the 60% of people who have two different sizes of feet. So now instead of getting a six and a half, I buy sevens. A fair number of people swear by arch supports, insisting that the foot was not designed to walk on hard, flat surfaces. This arch support raises the instep of your foot, effectively changing the way your foot lands and pushes off ever so slightly. You redistribute your weight a little more to the outer side of your sole. So think about your feet a little bit more often. Pay attention to them. Make sure that you trim your nails. Put some sort of lotion on your feet and allow them to dry thoroughly before you put on socks and or shoes. My mom had both bunions and a hammer toe. And she would say to me, my feet are very ugly. And wearing shoes on one foot was a challenge because of the hammer toe. I soaked my feet about once a week in some Epsom salts for 15 to 30 minutes and remove any dead skin with a file. And I'm generally putting on coconut oil or jojoba oil on my feet. So when you go to buy your shoes, check the size of each feet so that you can make sure you're not buying a shoe that's too small for one of your feet. Nothing like having cramped toes inside a shoe. So when it's time to buy a new pair of shoes, think about your feet. Studies are showing that the most expensive shoes, studies shows runners using the most expensive shoes have a higher instances of injury than runners using basic shoes. It appears that too much cushioning can weaken muscles in your feet and legs. Here are a couple suggestions for when you go to buy a new pair of shoes. Before you go, trace your feet on a sheet of paper and take it to the store with you. Then, when you find a shoe that appeals to you, put that shoe on top of your feet tracings. If any part of the shoe shows while the shoe is on top of it, you can't put that, well, you could try putting that shoe on, but it's not going to fit. Next, make sure that you're wearing the same type of socks that you would normally wear in those shoes when you're in the store. Once you've got those shoes on, stand and walk around in the store and test the tread of the shoe to make sure that you're not going to slip. You want to shop for your shoes in the afternoon, and that's because your foot normally expands through the day. Last, buy shoes that give your toes at least a half an inch of space to wiggle around in. And you should always shop for the larger foot, opting for comfort over style. The next topic is going to be about hair shampoos. I personally don't mind washing my hair. I find it relaxing and invigorating. And others don't feel that way. They find it to be tedious. Shampoos, like many beauty products, can and often do have a number of chemicals that can damage your hair. Some of those chemicals 
may pose a problem for your health. I'm very picky when it comes to shampoo. I'm pretty picky about anything I put on my body, actually. But if you've ever looked at the back of a shampoo bottle, you look at it and you go, what the heck? And while I can read most of the words, generally it's something only a chemistry teacher could really truly understand. So any, anything that we put onto our body can be absorbed through the skin. So we're going to, I'm going to give you a list of ingredients to watch out for. Probably the most common chemical in shampoos is sodium lauryl sulfate which is a lathering agent to help remove oils and dirt. Sulfates are known to irritate the skin and the eyes, especially with people who have eczema or other dermatological sensitivities. In extreme cases, there can be swelling, hives, itchiness, and rashes. So you want to look for a shampoo that has little to no sodium lauryl sulfate. And these shampoos do not lather very much in the shower. The second ingredient to watch out for is fragrance. This is a broad term for synthetic perfumes. They contain multiple chemicals, including phthalates, which are known to cause hormonal imbalances and have reproductive risks. Fragrances can affect people around you. They can linger in the air and in some people could trigger asthma, migraines, chronic lung disease, or other condition to those who come in contact with them. These chemicals are not only a threat to your health, but they can also be a problem for the environment in general. As we wash our hair out, these chemicals seep into the waterways, affecting water quality and wildlife populations. The third ingredient is trichlorosan. It's a, used as an antibacterial to reduce bacterial contamination, but there's a good chance that it supports bacterial resistance to antibiotics as it does not act as a thorough enough antibacterial. There are reports that suggest that trichlorosan may act as an endocrine disruptor through its ability to interfere with thyroid hormone metabolism. And there are some studies that indicate that it could be a problem of causing skin cancer or contributing to skin cancer in humans. And further research is being done. But if possible, avoid it. To watch out for is phenylxiethanol. It's used both as a solvent and a preservative. This ingredient is known to be neurotoxic if inhaled, ingested, absorbed through the skin. Federal regulations limit phenylxiethanol concentrations to less than 1% in products. But if you're using multiple products with this ingredient, your exposure is higher than the 1%. The last ingredient to talk about today is parabens. They're used as a preservative or to prevent antibacterial contamination. They've become a topic of concern for their hormonal disruption. Because they have a similar structure to hormones in the human body, it's thought that they could lead to hormonal imbalances in our bodies, which could lead to a higher risk of cancer or reproductive issues. Parabens can also be a problem in nature and pose major environmental hazards. Low levels of parabens can kill coral and have been detected in waterways, fish, and sediments. This leads to further pollution of our waterways and environments, which in turn affects us through our local food chains. And on the label of the shampoo bottle, you might see methylparaben 
butylparaben or propylparaben. So you want to avoid these bad ingredients in shampoos, if at all possible. Be aware of the ingredients in your shampoos and cosmetics. Look for natural ingredients. Now, not all natural ingredients are good, and not all synthetic ingredients are bad. But it's important to understand what our personal care products contain and how they affect us. When we look at the world today, we have war in Europe. We have violence everywhere in the world. But there's always been war, and there's always been violence. Unfortunately, now, it's on and available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year. So there's more light on this war, on violence, on crime. And that's unsettling for many people. But I don't focus on the war or the violence or the crime. I focus instead on peace. There's 7 billion people in the world, and the vast majority of them are peaceful, nonviolent, and don't commit crime. The news media wants to focus on it because it sells. At least they think it sells. And it promotes fear. And when you're afraid, you don't think as clearly. And you might not see that you're being manipulated. So I don't place as much value on crime, violence, and war. I focus instead on peace. So what is peace? It's more than a lack of war and violence. It's about not doing harm to others. But it's also about being helpful and being able to nurture others. Peace isn't about the lack of hardship or trouble or conflict. It's about being calm in the eye of the storm. It's about managing the conflict of difficulties in a constructive manner. For me, peace is a state of being. It comes from inside you. Your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. You can't be at peace and angry at the same time. There are lots of words that describe peace. Calm, neutral, serene, tranquil, contentment, safe, secure. But for me, it's also committing to celebrating, learning, and understanding from our differences. We're not all the same. There's a story or a fable about a king who offered a prize to the artist that could paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures and after much deliberation came down to a choice between two, two paintings and he had to choose between them. One picture was of a calm lake. This lake was the perfect mirror for the mountains that towered above it. Overhead, fluffy white clouds floated in the blue sky. Everyone who saw the picture said it was the perfect picture of peace. The second picture had mountains too. These mountains were rugged and bare. Above was an angry gray sky from which rain fell, lightning flashed, and down the side of the mountain was a waterfall that was foaming. This didn't appear to be a peaceful place at all. But then the king looked more closely at the picture, and he saw behind the waterfall was a tiny bush growing in the rocks. Inside that bush, a mother bird had built her nest. 
There, in the midst of the angry water, sat the mother bird on her nest. She was the perfect picture of peace. The king chose the second picture because, he explained, peace isn't only in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace is in the midst of things as they are. When there is calm in your mind, that is the real meaning of peace in the king's point of view. Now, the second story is attributed to Buddha or his followers, and it goes as follows. Once Buddha was traveling with a few of his followers. While they were passing a lake, Buddha told one of his followers, I am thirsty. Do get me some water from the lake. The disciple walked up to the lake, and just at that moment, a cart started crossing through the lake. As a result, the water became very muddy and cloudy. The disciple thought, how can I give this muddy water to the Buddha to drink? So he came back and told Buddha, the water is very muddy. I don't think it's fit to drink. About a half an hour later, Buddha came back to the same disciple and asked him to retrieve some water. But the disciple found the water was still cloudy, turbid, and muddy, and returned and told Buddha that it was still unfit to drink. More time passed, and Buddha went back to the disciple and Buddha asked the disciple to go and see if the water was clear and bring him some. This time, the disciple found the water was clean and clear and the mud had settled out. So he collected the water in the pot and returned to Buddha. Buddha looked at the water and then looked to the disciple and said, See what you did to make the water clean? You let it be, and the mud settled down of its own accord, and you have clear water. Your mind can be like the, the muddy water. You just have to give it some time and let it settle down on its own. It will happen. It can be effortless. A still and clear mind can solve problems much easier than a mind that is filled with distractions and anger. So how do you become peaceful? It's a process. One of the first things you can do is to accept yourself as you are with all your limitations frailties, and insecurities. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. I work in, on improving my mindset all the time. And part of that is accepting who I am and, and then working on changing things that I don't necessarily or like too much about myself. Being peace and peaceful can also mean being happy with what you have and arising above everyday problems and prejudices. You want to let go of those things that you do not control. What I know I control is myself and how I react to people. That's what I control. Don't allocate time or energy to what others think of you. There are always going to be people who admire you, and there are going to be people who are critical of you. And that's just a fact. Don't give them any notice or spend any time worrying about them. Don't allocate time and energy worrying about the results of your activities. Do the best you can at the time. This liberates you from anxiety. And next is to get out into nature. There is beauty in nature. There is wondrous sights to be seen. The natural world has amazing healing powers. So being peaceful and at peace promotes good health and wellness. It reduces stress, and we've all had stress. It promotes optimism, a positivity. 
and reduces fear and anxiety that sap energy and affect every part of your life. Now I want to leave you with a challenge. Can you go a day without complaining? Now some of you will say, hey, that's not a big deal. For others, it can be quite a big deal because complaining has become a habit. You're focusing on what's wrong or on lack. So accept this challenge if it applies to you. And if you can make it 24 hours without complaining, do it for another 24 hours and another 24 hours and for a week and for two weeks. And now you have a new habit, a new ritual of not complaining, of not focusing on what is wrong or on lack. I want to thank you for listening and tuning in today. This is your host, Debbie Wiesner, for Infinite Possibilities Abound. Have a fabulous day.